Hey guys, this is Ed, Paul, and Anna of Current Brand Media, and we are here to tell you a little bit more about our sponsor. Sportsball is a great subscription service geared towards minor league baseball fans. Each box features a different minor league team. You get a box every three months with minor league baseball gear, including different styles of hats like Ed's favorite, the dad hat. The cost is less than $12 a month. Proceeds from each box goes to More Than Baseball, the only nonprofit dedicated to the well-being of minor league baseball players. We all know that Parents' Days are coming up this summer. So if you've got a mom or a dad or a grandma or a grandpa who are particularly difficult to buy for, but you know they're baseball fans, this is the answer, guys. Meet your new favorite team at sportsballbox.com. Is there anybody there? <laughs> We pushed very, 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 very hard for the, the Tampa Yankees at that time to do that. Um, just down the road from Ebor, yeah. Cuban population all around uh, where their ballpark is, is is the, you know, Hispanic, <laughs> Latino focused population of Tampa. And they had no interest in it. Uh, and it still kind of crushes me. And Delmarva has one of the largest, uh, I think it's chicken farm uh, areas in the yep, U.S. Yep. It worked out well that they could kind of who rules the roost type of thing. But what's up, Deadhead Crew? Ed here. And on this episode, I give you guys Ryan Foos of Fooser Sports. He is the creator of many Copa brands. Okay. He, you know what? I'm going to read some of it for you. Okay. Picantes, pescados, de rapidos, cervezas de Durham. Okay. Cucuis, the flying chanclas. That's right, guys. The flying chanclas. He is this guy. Okay. We talked about his process, four-step process, actually, on how he goes and designs, talks to the customer, and all of that. So, guys, without even further ado, I give you the episode. All right. Well, I want to welcome you guys to yet another episode of the Dad Hat Chronicles. My name is Ed, and with me today, guys, I have a cool cool guest, man. I'm pretty excited. Uh, his name is Ryan Foose. Uh, you guys have seen a lot of his work on MLB, especially Copa Brands. So uh, welcome, my friend. How are you today? Good, good. How about you, man? Good. Uh, you know, just another day in paradise, you know, dealing with a three-year-old before I got on. <laughs> Had to read, her, you know, some Star Wars stories because that's what she wants. So Nice. Well, that's at least a win in your book. Oh, it's a month. It's worse. A, absolutely. It was a huge win. You know, my wife, not so much, doesn't like it, but what are you going to do? <laughs> um, I'll start very simple. How, uh, how'd you become a fan of baseball, man? I think it's just always that sport that had everything in it. Um, I think that uh, a hockey jersey is up there as kind of one of the cooler things, but then you realize that baseball hat is worn by everybody. Um, it, it's a baseball hat and it could be depicting a fashion brand, a hockey team, a basketball team. It doesn't really matter. And so I think there's something also, I've always been a history buff and there's something mm -hmm. about that sport that just lends itself to it, which you could say is a negative for how traditional it's become and remain. But I don't know. I just think that there's nothing better than going to a baseball park and having a beer and hanging out and seeing what happens and being able to stack records on records and see who's doing what. And, um, it's a nice mix of 
of really straightforward brands that will never change like the Yankees and Red Sox. Then you have minor league baseball teams that are so kooky and out there. So uh, from a design perspective, there's something out there for everybody. I mean, there's too many teams out there in the baseball world that if you say you don't like a single brand that's in the baseball world, then you're obviously crazy. But yeah, something's uh, wrong with you because there's there's something for everybody out there. That's just how that goes. Um, so, so what's your, what was your, your, your team growing up? So yeah, um, born in Boston and, um, but grew up in Wisconsin. And so I think there's something about the brewers and it was kind of like that happy go lucky time mm-hmm. of the early or late nineties, early two thousands when the brewers weren't very good at all. And so <laughs> I remember plenty of times on uh, school skip days, jumping down to at that point, County stadium and getting a yep. $5 ticket and just hanging out there. Uh, it was cheap. And by the probably about the fifth inning, you're about five rows down on the third baseline and you're like, all right, this will do. So there's something about the Brewers that have always kind of been the, the sweet spot and probably the team I've closely followed. So, OK, so and um, there, there's something about and I love their, their brand new logo that they've been using the glove. Mm-hmm. I think it's one of those iconic that, you know, exactly what team that is. As soon as you see it, yeah. you're like, yeah, that's those. That's the Brewers right there. Yeah, and, for and sure. It, you know, it's like like you said, like the Yankees and Boston, you know who those teams are. Mm-hmm. Then you go and see the Brewers, you know, unlike my team right now, who has a horrible logo. But <laughs> um, I agree with you. That's a that's a great logo. And and like you said, five dollar ticket. You can't blame you can't no, you know beat that sure. at all. For sure. Um, so let me ask you, uh, you so you go to school, you come to school down here in, in North Carol- in North Carolina, NC State, mm-hmm. correct? Correct. Yep. What attracted you to come down, you know, from all the way up there to just like, hey, I'm going to go to North Carolina. Was it the weather? Because that's what got me here. A little bit. Yeah. So I, I did undergrad at University of Wisconsin Stout, which is just uh, about an hour east of the Twin Cities. Mm-hmm. And then picked grad school at NC State just because um, at some point I like to teach. I think that's my ultimate goal in the, the far, far future. And so their program was awesome. But then to go to a Division One school in the ACC and kind of for a few years ride that kind of big school wave, I think was really important, but I love North Carolina. I mean, we're down in Tampa right now. And I think the only state that we would ever move to is North Carolina between, I mean, especially with, with Raleigh area, you're, you're not too, too far from the beach and you're not too far from the mountains. So uh, I, I just love it. And the beer and barbecue and everything in between, it was just a, a perfect spot to kind of, kind of go to. And um yeah, and NC State, they they break my heart every year, multiple times in different <laughs> sports. But uh, I do love that school and, and everything that comes with it. Yeah, it's a it's an awesome place. You're right. Like, you know, and this is one of those things that attracted my wife and I when we were looking into moving to North Carolina, because it was going to be either like, you know, somewhere in Charlotte area or uh, up here in Raleigh because I have family here. And we ended up here just because, you know, like you said, it's you're not too far from the beach. You're not too far from the mountains and it's perfect weather most of the time. So I'm okay with that. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's, it, it was funny. And especially you coming from at least a little bit further North, the, uh, the one inch of snow ends a day or a week in terms of having them to clear it. And it's just like, Oh man. So <laughs> right. It's a, yeah. It's something that would be interesting if uh, you know, I'm sure that, baseball world is a little iffy because there's been some some cold 40 some degree days all the way in may so it's funny because you say that it's like you know it's like oh 15 degrees you know and like 15 inches of snow all right we got still got to go to work in ohio yeah 
And then, you know, here at inch of dusting, it's like, yep, everything is shut down, which don't get me wrong. I love it, even though now I work from home. So, <laughs> um, so you're in North Carolina. Um, you, you met some people, some cool people, and then you guys decided to start a movement. How, why, and, you know, how that come about? Yeah, I appreciate you having Lou on uh, another, an earlier episode. And yeah. it, it, it honestly was just a, it, it was just kind of a, a thought of thinking about the community. And I'm sure this goes for plenty of cities across the country mm-hmm. that there's a city in particular that has a lot of things going for it, but the people that live there kind of have this woe is me attitude of, well, why don't we have better things and why are we in it? And it's just like, there's a reason why thousands upon thousands of people are moving to Raleigh. And there's a yep. reason why, you know, more and more fortune 500 companies are looking at the triangle. And so a long story short, it was, Hey, we like talking about baseball. Uh, we think that Raleigh has a lot of things going for it. And what what better way to kind of be a conduit of information than to tie it back to sports? Because people don't like talking about taxes. People don't like talking about transportation. They don't like talking about housing. But all of a sudden, when you start talking about, well, stadium tax and how would you connect the triangle and how it becomes a lot more uh, easily digestible conversation to have. And so um we decided we're just going to brand the heck out of it and, and tie in history and try to get local artists and vendors and restauranteurs and everything involved. And with the, the full goal being, if we never ever get an, a team in MLB Raleigh, so be it. But we want to make as many connections as possible. We want to do something for the community that hadn't been done before, which is to have these fun events and to donate time and money and to kind of better our city. So it was a unique, unique avenue of, of thinking about it. And mm-hmm. I think, yeah, within a month, we had already been in Forbes and had articles written us in CBS sports just because we were a group that never called themselves an ownership group, but just thought about community first. So it's kind of been a fun side project to be a part of. And, and, and you say something interesting that, are, and this is why I really like what you guys were doing was that you guys were community first. And then, you know, baseball was, you know, the byproduct of what was happening uh, with that movement, which I love a lot, I think is, you know, and someone who was here and then now it's, you know, this is, this is home for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I did. I really appreciated you guys saying that, especially Lou, when I had that conversation with him about that, I was like, yeah, it was, it's all about community. And, you know, we, we invested the time and money and then, you know, and all of that, you know, all the sales went back into the community, like the hat that I'm wearing right now, you know, the rally grays, yeah. um, which was awesome, which I believe was a design by you, right? Yes, it was. It was. Yeah. It's, um, three of us in, in core have started it. Uh, and then, um, yeah, Will has done a great job on the stadium renderings and that kind of sign of thing. Lou is our, is our glue that knows everybody in the community. And then myself has really been uh, a lot of the branding side of thing of uh, when in doubt, if you make things look good, you get your name out there a heck of a lot faster. So got that right. So, uh, let's talk about that because that's something that, you know, when I saw your designs and everything, it's like, this is where I, you know, really got to, you know, know about, uh, your company, your brand is these logos. And I was like, when I was putting two and two, I'm like, Oh my God, this guy's putting out some of the most awesome logos out there for Copa brand, you know? And then, then I've come to find out that you were, you know, senior manager brand development for minor league baseball. Mm-hmm. So how, you know, how did you get involved with, first of all, with, with that? And then second, the Copa brand, how that come about? 
So I, I was working at IBM at the time mm-hmm. and uh, it was one of those that I had Fooser sports is kind of my, my freelance kind of mm-hmm. side branding studio. And it was always there and it was always a steady stream of clients, but at no point was it really a serious thing for me. I never thought about going full time freelance. There was always having to be a day job and this would be the night hobby type of thing. And so one day I decided to create this like company called tall tale legends. And, uh, it was just enough historical references in these designs and stories that it could seem real, but they were Mm -hmm. all fake. Mm -hmm. And so one of the teams I ended up doing was, uh, was there's a Cuban neighborhood here in Tampa, Ybor city. And for every, you know, every other building is a cigar roller and every corner has dozens of roosters on it. Correct. So created this logo of a rooster smoking a cigar, which sounds funny. Uh, and it, it hit a stride somehow. And it, I ended it's up awesome. Yeah. Ended up selling it to a, a vice president of minor league baseball, like the same week he was pushing to bring in an internal brand development uh, role. Uh, because prior to that minor league baseball, everybody knows at that time was 160 teams, hundred years old and everything was outsourced. And mm-hmm. so whether it was working with partners, uh, you know, your insurance partner and you're this and this, all the presentations were standard. There was no real true, uh, community effort or, or fan effort at that point, because everything had to be outsourced. So they were thinking about how they were doing that. And so released the hat. And within three weeks I was having interviews of, Hey, let's start this brand development at minor league baseball. Let's start pushing the envelope a little bit. The first project of minor league baseball was it's fun to be a fan and ex- you know, pushing and amplifying why minor league baseball is minor league baseball. Mm-hmm. And then the second project, which ended up being the biggest of my, my tenure there was Copa. And there is, there is nothing that Latinos love more than sports. And for a, a sizable amount, when everybody thinks it's soccer, 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 it's like, no, there's also quite a love affair with baseball. And Correct. we were finding out that when you look at demographics around the LA area, any of those teams or New York teams or anything like that, the people coming through the turnstiles weren't representative of the love for the sport. Um, and so I, you know, myself and, and Vincent Predafrejo, who uh, was helping me out at the time as, as our designer, we just started knocking out brands because we wanted the, we wanted the barrier to entry to be so low that teams wouldn't think twice about it. And it sounds weird to say that by all means that the, the leagues and the teams buy into it a hundred percent. But I think when it was first brought up of, Hey, we're going to rebrand and we're going to change your food and the concourse experience of fans for, for this, this Latino movement. I think a lot of them were worried. Like, what does this mean? How does this, are we now changing gears too far and everything like that? And so we did all the branding uh, in house to kind of help them get over it the hump of seeing what was possible. And I think we couldn't have gotten a better reaction from the crew in Las Vegas, Albuquerque, absolutely crushed it. San Antonio did their thing. There was a lot of people that moved the needle far, far further than we ever thought was possible. And so uh, I was in the beginning stages of pride event and now their new, um, their new nine initiative for the black community. But overall, I think minor league baseball gets, a little bit of a bad rap as this younger brother. That's just kind of this, uh, you know, pick up league of sorts at some of these low levels, but you realize that that league as a whole is one of the most innovative forward thinking leagues in the entire world. And you see that just by, 
the pride program being in their like fourth or fifth year and major league baseball now just doing it with two teams in the right. giants and Dodgers. It's like, man, the minor league baseball was doing that a long, long time ago. So I was really, really proud of everything that we did during that time. And it's funny because now you start seeing also MLB, you know, coming with their city connects and all that. Right? Yeah. I was like, hold on a second, Ma you know, minor league baseball. And I've been saying this for a long time. It's like, you know, they're, they're ahead of the game when it comes to a lot of, like you said, very innovative things, Copa brand nine, you know, pride, mm -hmm. all of that. And in major league, just if like, I mean, it's like, you know, slow to really react to what's going on. Like you said, Go to uh, New York, you know, and and this is a lot of, you know, my own people as well, Puerto Ricans, you know, that Yankee logo, right? That New York Yankees, mm -hmm. that's like everybody wears that hat. I mean, there's yeah. a rapper called Daddy Yankee, for God's sakes, right? <laughs> so, you know, and, and I think it's a great way to identify and these Copa brands. Like, I mean, I'll be honest, like, I think I own a lot, about 90% of the, <laughs> the brands that you've uh, done. You know, the flying chanclas, everybody can identify as a Hispanic. It was like, you know, one of your parents or, you know, grandparents threw a yeah. flying chancla at you. That's just how that happened. Yeah. And I think it was a really good program, too, because it opened up a lot of people's eyes to the amount of culture within Latino culture. And we were working with at that time they were in Pawtucket, the Red Sox and mm -hmm. or Paw Sox. And we were uh, the original thought was they wanted to to do this green and red logo, green and red logo. And then we started looking into the you know, demographics and that neighborhood and region is heavily Puerto Rican yep. and Dominican. So if you would have thrown out a green and red, it would have been, a, you know, seen as kind of half-assed. What are you, you're just seeing it as, oh, Latino must be in Mexican. So there we are. And so I think there was a lot of, I think there was a lot of good done where now we start thinking about, all those 26 or so different Spanish speaking countries all have their own, you know, thought process and culture and everything like that. So I think it helped a lot of teams think even more uh, in depth than, than normal. And it was definitely a fine line. And there's probably some uh, Coba brands that just didn't work because it, it pushed it a little too far. But, mm -hmm. but I, I think that, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, branding is all about how you connect with people. Um, and so there was a lot of these stories and, you know, I've, I've always been thanked by certain people when I work on a branding project, but I've never been, um, as emotionally, you know, gotten some, some really emotional responses from some of those that their, you know, their grandfather was a mariachi. And so they saw that and they were lost their mind or, Hey, thank you. You know, it just, it's, it was more resounding than anything I'd ever worked on before. Yeah, it's and we identify like the bright colors, you know, like, you know, that's how we are, you know, and, and I think, like you said, like, you know, the Coquis, the Florida, right? Like, I mean, that's mm -hmm. like, you know, I have a tattoo of a Coquis on me, right? Like, I mean, <laughs> we identify with these things and, and when we start seeing that, right, like we want to buy everything, the shirts, the hoodie, the jersey, the hat, everything. You want to buy that because you identify with that brand, especially you know, the one I'm looking at, you know, you know, dearly departed Coquise to Florida, right? Yeah. R.I.P. Um, but that had the, you know, the the flag, you know, you had the star in the middle and all that. So I'm like, man, like whoever designed it, I now know it was you, but like, you know, you got it right. Like you understood yeah. what the message was, you know, Kukui's, right? Like, I mean, like, I mean, come on. Like, I mean, those things are those like one, they're fun. And two, people identify with those. And then that's that's amazing. Um, let me ask you, what was, how was your usual process when you're designing something like, you know, how do you go into 
doing your process? Everybody has their own way of doing it. What's your, how do you look at that? Um, it kind of gets broken down to like four stages. The first is just having long conversations with the client. So whether mm-hmm. it's a team, the owner, whatever the case may be, to just be like, what do you want this to be? Do you want this to be aggressive? Is this more playful? How are, and I really like to find out how they hope to expand the brand. There's some brands I've done that I absolutely loved. The team's made shirts and hats and that's it. And it's kind of been disappointing of like, it feels like it could have been a lot more. And there's some teams that I've worked on that I sent them the style guide. And the next thing I know, they're doing custom this and this and look at what we're doing for this. And they really think beyond what this logo is into the full true brand. And so the first is just to find out all the information from them. Um, And the second is just hardcore research and kind of development because, I mean, there's some there's some really tough times where. Mm-hmm. You have a client that's like, we're going to be the Eagles. And you're, you're thinking about the 3 million Eagles that came out that year for sports branding. <laughs> and uh, Look, can we be a little yeah. bit more original, <laughs> yeah. please? Yeah. And so it's trying to figure out like, well, how do we make it specific to your, your city or is it a color scheme or is it maybe a hint of an Eagle, but not truly an Eagle and all that kind of stuff. And so pretty much a little bit of, a little bit of sketching, but then also just trying to make sure we aren't stepping on anybody's toes and not getting into a legal type of situation. And then, it's just a huge concept overhaul of I'm, I'm still a pencil and paper kind of guy. Like even though we have a big old Wacom that kind of the computer screens you can draw on uh, here in the studio, like it's still cardstock and, and pencil for just about everything I do in the pre-stage. And then hopefully there's a, there's a, a three quarter angle and there's this kind of secondary mark and we kind of on paper have it all set in stone and then we just vector it out making sure colors are working well and and how it would look on different backdrops and everything like that. So yeah, it's pretty much find out what exactly what the client wants, do a little research to make sure you can do something that's truly unique and then sketching and vectoring it out. And, and which is really the fun part because you can see it come to life. And that first time you kind of send a client their first vector or, or mm-hmm. official logo, I mean, they lose their minds half the time. And that's really fun part to be a part of. I don't know what it is. And, you know, there's just there's this whole subculture of people just like they look at logos and I'm one of them. Right. I mean, if you look at behind me, I got a bunch of hats with a bunch of different logos. Right. Like I'm yeah. like, you just get excited. Right. You know, you got logo November, right. November. That's mm-hmm. that one time of year where just like, you know, so many releases and you're like, all right, come on. Who's rebranding? Who's not? Who's coming up with new stuff? And it's just that's exciting. And then when, when you say it's like, you know, that, and I'm sure it feels good as an artist that people get so excited because you put that time, you know, into the, you know, designing something for someone. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I I think it's, I mean, it's tough though. I mean, uh, there's definitely those that you, you see release and you're just kind of watching social media can be very uplifting and it can also destroy Mm. you to some extent. So it's a it's a weird situation to be in when you go and you see a team launch and you just hope that it does it does well and that people connect with it and you're always going to have the negative people that just don't like something and it, you know it is what it is and I I don't it doesn't bother me because at the end of the day the client's opinion matters most because they're the owners of the team they're the ones dealing with it on a daily basis so if they're in love with it that's what matters um, and there's definitely been some parts of a brand that you do that you're like man, that could have been better, but it's what they ended up wanting. So it's a give and take the entire way. And you just hope that when somebody releases it, you've made a positive step forward. If it's a rebrand or you make just a huge splash, if it's a, a new team altogether. Yeah. Um, which one, and, and obviously you're going to, everybody ask, all right, which one was your favorite? Um, 
have you had any like that was just like you wished that you would have done a little bit different? Like, you know, is that is there a specific logo or brand that you're like, yeah, I wish I would have just tweaked it just a little bit different than than the uh, what it came out with? Uh, yeah, I, Canapolis, uh, the first year was just like a roadrunner head. Yeah. And yeah. And it was one of those we did it. Um, and the original color scheme was like a maroon and baby blue or something like that. And so the the GM at the time was pushing how he wanted, you know, bright orange and blue, bright orange and blue. Let's do this. I mean, Petty <laughs> Racing and all those guys. And then it ended up getting to the point where uh, subconsciously it got just a little too close to the sun uh, with uh, El Paso. Yeah. Um, UT El Paso. I think it is what or San Antonio. One of the two um and uh yeah and so we got a nice little cease and desist letter and it was a little weird because it was we cleared all the legal side of things on our end um and so yeah i think i i think looking back i go we should have probably thought about it and said hey if we do this design the colors for sure can't be orange and blue we need to separate it out a little bit more and stuff like that and we had one concept i think the original concept for them was actually low riders because nice. of the, the racing the racing kind of culture and thinking about what's the car version uh that would be fitting of that um and then we had got a notice i think the once we had designed it all kind of out and gotten to a good place we had heard that i think fresno decided that they were going to be in it and they submitted everything before canapolis and that's why we switched gears so the uh the new rapidos uh mm-hmm. it definitely is really really clean but yeah i, I think back at that first one that a the lowrider brand was really fun and probably something I can I can post at some point. I think the statue of limitations is up on that, but um, but yeah, I, I I look back at that one going, it could have been a really really fun brand. It's just it just was a little too close to what was going on in Texas. Yeah, and that's you know the this one is actually pretty cool. It, I I I also own that hat somewhere back there <laughs> in there. So like I I literally counted. I was counting earlier and I'm like, oh my god, I got a lot of his yeah. logos that you design, you know, Durham Bowls, right? Mm-hmm. The Cervezas. That's like one of the ones that like, you know, you know, my friend uh, Anna, right? She's a huge Durham Bowls fan as well. And she was like, I, I have a green hat. I use it for, you know, Copa. And then I use it for, you know, uh, when it's uh, St. Patrick's Day because yeah. it, it really works out. <laughs> um, so, yeah. But you're right. Like, I mean, a lot of these, man, you guys, Gallos de Del Marva, man. Yeah, and so that that logo, uh, Delmarva, uh, was very very close to the Ebor City smoking cigar, uh, cigar smoking rooster one that got me the minor league baseball job. And so, um, a little backstory on that: it was we pushed very 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 hard for the the Tampa Yankees at that time to do that um, just down the road from Ebor, yeah. Cuban population all around uh, where their ballpark is 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 the you know, Hispanic mm-hmm. Latino focused population of Tampa and they had no interest in it. Uh, and it still kind of crushes me. And Delmarva has one of the largest, uh, I think it's chicken farm, uh, areas in the yep, U.S. Yep. So it worked out well that they could kind of who rules the roost type of thing. But yeah, that one kind of hurt. That was originally sold, uh, or pushed to, uh, Tampa Yankees and they, they just didn't bite, which would have been a really, really fun brand. I, you know, it's it's funny you say that because like there's some brands that just refuse to just accept what's 
mm-hmm. around them, like, you know, their their population and all that. And it's like, you know, you're missing the point because like, listen, this is merchandise, right? This is money yeah. going right into your your team right there. They're buying and then they're buying them by the truckloads. You got it. Like you said, you got a big, huge, you know, Hispanic community there. They love, you know, <laughs> they're fighting, you know, uh, when it comes to the roosters and all that. So it's it was you're right. I think that's a missed opportunity there. That's that's sad. Yeah, and I think it's a there. The Florida State League was in a tough situation because mm-hmm. um, I think only the yeah Florida Fire Frogs were the only ones that joined for the first five years, and I think that they're just so worried about spring training that uh, minor league season somehow kind of finds its way as a secondary aspect because Clearwater and um, you know it's a team that could do some awesome things and for some reason hasn't and it's just. Um, at some point, I'd like to see them kind of push the envelope a little bit more. Um, everybody in that Florida State League, now that it's going to be back in the Florida State League uh, naming. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, I think that they're they're all in a tough position of just trying to make the the farm, you know, owners happy that uh, they're just trying not to, to ruffle things up too much. Um, let me ask you, because now this has evolved into just not just the teams that you work with, but now it's evolved into something that's just you know, a lot of other teams are using. Um, do you wish you still did more of those, you know, or do our teams still, you know, contacting your head, you know, do you want to do more work, you know, with the Copa brand? Is that something that you're still doing? Yeah. So the um, Somerset Patriots just did their Zoros uh, for this year and have had conversations with, with folks uh, for future years. Um, it's just, it, it, going back to this, this discussion on hats, new era is just so, so incredibly busy um, that oh you're having God. teams that are having to submit in March to hope that they get it the following June type of thing. It's just the timelines are so incredibly tough. And I think it's hurting a lot of teams because to put the money up front to buy stuff and then hope that it shows up is, is a tough position to be in. And so um I think that, yeah, this year there's probably a, a downtick in specialty hats and all that. Uh, I would expect next year you're going to get you're going to get your hands full and your wallets are going to be hurting because there's my wallet is already hurting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's funny you say that because that's something and and I've I've had conversations with other people saying that, yeah, like, I mean, not just New Era, but 47 brand and, you know, a lot of these other big companies are just we are they're so backed up and then there's you know i'm i'm like all right guys when are you guys getting more dad hats when are you guys getting more dad hats and they're like we don't know yeah <laughs> we just don't know when they're gonna get it's like it it's, takes a long time for approval and and maybe we'll get them maybe we'll get them at middle of this other year maybe we'll get them next year we don't know yeah. i'm like oh my lord that's that's sad yeah and it's it's such a hot market right now that you know whether you're hat club or lids or anything like that I mean, they're producing stuff at a record speed or record pace in terms of the amount of drops that they're doing. And it sells out in seconds because there's just such a so just a such a hard, fast and dedicated group of hat collectors mm-hmm. that the demand just completely outweighs the supply. It does. Yeah. I mean, but that's a that's a good problem to have. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's a good problem to have. So that just yeah. gives opportunity to other companies to really, you know come up and say hey we'll we'll get them for you guys we'll do it yeah. why not so um a couple of one more question before we go into our uh famous not so famous questions here um 
you did a little bit of design for, you know, and then going back to uh, the whole MLB rally, you did one uh, logo yourself uh, when they did, you know, everybody, the community and everything came and you, you did that one logo. Um, what was your whole reasoning behind choosing that specific uh, uh, logo that you did? Yeah. So at MLB Raleigh, we did an event where we asked, I think it was 12 designers from the triangle mm -hmm. to just come up with anything. And by no means were we serious um, because we were worried if we made it truly, Hey, this is what MLB would look like in Raleigh. It would just be a lot of R's and C's and it'd be fairly traditional and uninspiring. Mm -hmm. And so, some people, yeah, some people did it and they, they did kind of a C mark and that was it. But uh, I think I don't know what the official name was that I did pine pine barons or something like that, but it was a, a baseball bat axe mm -hmm. um, and kind of olive green tones. And it was just a playoff of being in North Carolina, which is a, especially this year in a lot of uh, states, uh, the uh, tree pollen just absolutely murdering everybody's sinuses. And so, yeah, we, we, uh, yep, that that's was me. my concept was just like this thought of, you know, this battle axe, which kind of tied into baseball, but um, just making it talking about the military history because Fayetteville is so close. And mm -hmm. uh, but, yeah, it was a fun event. I mean, anytime that you can hang out at a brewery with creative folks and have, you know, 500 people show up to talk baseball, it's something that we'd like to bring back. And then then this COVID thing just keeps keeps chugging along. So, yeah, I know. Right. In future, we'll, we'll pack a place again and have some fun with it. Um, you let me know and I'll be there. Yeah. You, you did the uh, North state pine uh, brigade. That's a cool yeah, one. Brigade, yeah. yeah. That was one of my favorites um, that you guys uh, put out there. Uh, Oak city owls. Another one that you guys did pretty cool yeah. stuff. Um, but yeah. And, and then hopefully in the future that you guys will uh, come up with uh, some more events and then uh, I'll make sure to uh, be there. Cause that's some, you guys are doing some cool stuff out there, man. All right, my friend, are you ready? I, I think so. I think so. <laughs> <laughs> All right. First question. You go to a ballpark. What is your drink or food of choice? 95% uh, of the time, it's beer and, and hot dogs. Hot dog with mustard and onions. I mean, the faster I can get a beer in hand, and it usually is just the, the hot dogs are the cheapest thing. So it that's that's the go to. That is a great answer, my friend. Great answer. Uh, okay, what animal is the biggest party animal? Do you think the biggest party animal? <laughs> oh, mm -hmm. I, uh, I'll say a raccoon because it, <laughs> it never sleeps and it's always ready to go at night. There's been there's been actual parties that have been broken up by raccoons. <laughs> You're right. That's a good answer. Uh, what was your favorite TV show growing up? Ooh, favorite TV show. I, I believe every single time I had to put it down for like a, um, a sports questionnaire type of thing, it was always Sports Center. Like that was just the, the thing I watched in the morning and then the thing I watched when I came home from school. So I know that's not quite quite uh, the correct uh, line of thought, but and that's always, that always on always, my house. Always, always on. It's always on in my house, so I get that one. Uh, what will be your weapon of choice in a zombie apocalypse? <laughs> oh, I'll take anything. I won't. Beggars can't be choosers of that. <laughs> right probably, at this point, like yeah, I, I, some anything. yeah, some kind of some kind of gun, probably whatever, whatever works. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I like it. Okay, right. Beggars can't be choosers at that point. <laughs> uh, what is your spirit animal? 
Ooh. Uh, not only uh, because it kind of rhymes with the name, but it's always it's always kind of been a moose. I think if you've ever seen a moose in person, they're three times larger than you can even imagine. They're kind of this mystical creature hanging out in the water and in the forest. So I'll say that. I like that one. That's a cool one. All right. What Disney princess would make the best spy? Mm, I'll go. Uh, I'll go Ariel because I mean, you're talking about uh, land and by sea. So I'll go with Ariel. I like it. Okay. All right. Uh, if you could be a fictional character, who would it be? Fictional character. Oof. Oh man, that's tough. Uh, we're always obsessed with the Batman movies, so I'd probably say that. Uh, just because, yeah, Bruce Wayne's got a lot of cool tools. Uh, and a lot of toys. Cool core, yeah, a lot of toys. So I, I'd go with that. Go I like Batman. it. Uh, what is the most boring sport in your opinion? Oh man, you know I, I, there's something about golf on like a, a Saturday or Sunday to to fall asleep to, which is perfect. But <laughs> to get I a good keep, nap. <laughs> yeah, but I keep seeing more and more cornhole on TV. I love cornhole, uh, but that's a party thing, though. Yeah, I I love playing it, but I can't believe it's on ESPN at, at this steady rate. So I'm going to say right. That. Or like is ESPN running out of things to uh, do uh, show on TV. Uh, so I'm with you there. Uh, if you could be in, in any movie, what movie would it be? Oh man. I think it would be fun to, to say that you're in like one of the classics, uh, like the bull Durham type of thing, or if you're the bat boy in the natural or something like that. So you could always say that that was the movie you were in. I think that'd be something really fun. You're right. That's a good one. That's a good one. Uh, Ryan, thank you so much for doing this. I really do appreciate that. Um, where can people find you on social media? I think all my handles are at, at Fooser Sports, then FoosersSports.com. And yeah, just going to hopefully pick up the the pace on some designs that are coming out soon. So I'm very excited. I cannot wait to see what you got cooking up, my friend. Seriously, thank you so much. And then, uh, uh, yeah, make sure you guys are following him. Appreciate it. I want to thank you guys for listening to this episode. Now, make sure you guys are following Ryan, Instagram, Twitter, all of that. He's there. It's on the show notes. So make sure you guys go there. Uh, also, before I go, want to let you guys know, thank you, first of all, for listening to this episode. It does mean a lot that you guys are uh, every week. You guys are tuning in for another episode. If you don't mind, though, make sure you hit that five stars and then also hit the subscribe button. And if you feel so inclined, tell one more person about this, okay? Until then, keep on grinding and always support the minor leagues. See ya. This podcast is part of the Curved Brim Media Network. Here are some of the other members of Curved Brim Media. Hi, this is Ed Rivera of the Data Chronicles. Join me as I interview people just like you and players, coaches, GMs on the path that led you to become a fan of the sport. 
I'm Paul Caputo, and on the Baseball by Design podcast, I talk to minor league baseball teams, designers, and other super interesting people about what these minor league baseball logos mean, and I talk a little bit about ice cream helmets. What's up, Bucketheads? I'm Anna DiTomaso, and each week on the Baseball Bucket List podcast, I speak with a different fan about their favorite baseball memories, what the game means to them, and what's left to check off on their baseball bucket list. Hey guys, this is Patrick Larson from the Minor League Baseball Hat History Series, and in every episode, I go through the history of minor league teams through my personal collection of hats. You can find me on Twitter at at PatLarson1. I hope you guys enjoy. This is Patrick and Corey of BaseballMapper.com, and we have made an interactive map to help highlight all baseball teams from the majors down to collegiate summer leagues. We want to bring you closer to baseball. So get on the site and find a team near you today. Learn more about Curve Brim Media at curvebrimmedia.com.